Thank you for listening to the Renovate Life Church of God's broadcast. Here's today's message. But he didn't kill him because he still needed him. And so on this late night, he says, call before me Ziba. And Ziba comes in. He's been removed from his place of authority. He's been removed from his place of power. He's been put out to pasture. <laughs> and he says, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I may bless? Is there anyone that I can touch? And Ziba says, you know what? There's Jonathan's son. Not like the rest of them. He's crippled. He lives in Lodabar. You know what David says? Go get him. Now here's what you're not getting. Is when Ziba leaves with the decree that the king has stamped a letter that says Mephibosheth is coming with me. When he got there and knocked on the door at the house of Manil, Emil, and he, they open it and he hands the guy the letter. Mephibosheth did not walk one step. Ziba put him over his shoulder, carried him to the chariot. And I don't know how far it was from Lodabar to Jerusalem, but that boy never walked one step because when the blessing of God becomes begins to touch your life when the screaming that you've screamed and no one's there begins to move in the atmosphere God has dispatched someone to come get you and he's not going to let you walk on your own you know why because your feet are lame at your very best your feet are lame at your very best you're broken oh hallelujah somebody give him praise because if you know you're broken in the house what you realize is God can fix it Hallelujah. And so they carry him to Lodabar. But that's just the beginning of the story. Because the Bible says when Mephibosheth got there. Now think this. He's the king's kid. He probably gets to see what's in the palace. But he leaves as a small child. So the chances of the palace being the same when he gets back are very minute. And Ziba packs him. Past the, the, the stone pillars and, and past the beautiful thing. Will you please mute that, whatever it is. Past, past the statues, past all of the situations and troubles that he's had into the beautiful edifice through the big doors. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and what I want you to understand is that, that Ziba is just carrying him. And when he gets there, listen, he sets Mephibosheth down. Mephibosheth's broken. His, he don't walk right. And you would think that he'd walk up to King David, but that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says he throws himself on the ground. Prostate. Prostrate before the king. Lord, I need you. He says, Why? In the world. Listen, David didn't even know who he was. He didn't know what he looked like. You ever seen somebody from afar off and you think, oh, that's such and such. And as they get closer and, and you can see the wrinkles on their face, you realize that they don't look like what you thought they looked like. David said he had, he had this thought of what, what, what Mephibosheth should look like. And when he got there, David had to say, are you Mephibosheth? Because he didn't look like what he thought he should look like. 
Aren't you glad that God took you even though people thought you should look a certain way, but you didn't? Oh, I'm, we need to stop and take a praise break for Jesus Christ today because He took me although I didn't look the way that everybody thought I should look. He blessed me although everybody thought I should look this way, but I looked that way. Hallelujah to His name. He is a good God. And He finds Himself... In the palace, in a place of beauty. Listen, see, you, you, you still don't understand what I'm saying because Mephibosheth had an ugly problem in a beautiful place. It was okay for Mephibosheth to have an ugly problem in an ugly place, have a crippling problem in a crippled place. But now he's in the palace. Now he's in the place of grandeur. Now he's in the place of blessing. So he throws himself down, and all he can see is his past. All he can see is the nurse dropping him. All he can see is his brokenness. All he can see is looking out the window in Lodabar, and Lodabar is desolate. It's broken. It's dry. And so he says, why in the world would you bring a dirty, dead dog like I to this palace. Why would you do it? See, we're not getting it. Because David had prepared the fine linen. He had prepared the chair. He had prepared the crystal. He had prepared the fancy robe for Mephibosheth. He was going to put the king's ring on his finger. As a matter of fact, he said he will be as one of my sons. But Mephibosheth could not take on the blessing. Sometimes we can't get to the blessing because we're looking into the past. Sometimes God has already given us the place to set. He's already set the table before us. But we can't get there and we're sabotaging and what God wants to do in our life because we're looking back at Lodabar. So we can't see it. I'm a dead dog. I'm broken. I'm messed up. My life, why, king, would you bring me out of Lodabar? See, Mephibosheth asked for it. He cried out for it in his broken state. And with everything that he was, he screamed to the Lord. And when the Lord answered, he was still stuck in Lodabar. When the Lord called out his name, he was still stuck in his broken situation. So he could not see that the blessing that God had already provided was right there in front of him. Because he's too busy looking on the ground at his crippled feet. Don't sabotage what God is doing in your life. Because you see yourself the way you thought. Listen, when God made you, God makes nothing now, if you're balancing your checkbook, wake up. God makes nothing on accident, but he makes also everything in perfection. Well, pastor, I'm not perfect. Well, neither am I. I'm fat. I got teeth falling out. I got gray hair. There's all kinds of things wrong with my life, but he made me anyway. God didn't make me fat with my teeth falling out and gray hair. He made me in perfection. God does everything with purpose and perfection. So when God sees you, although you've piled sins of plenty on your life, he doesn't see the broken, messed up situation that you put yourself in. God sees you how he made you. He put your eyes and their eyes of perfection. He placed ears on you and their ears of perfection. He placed this body on you. The Bible says in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so what I want you to understand is although you have allowed your body to live like it's in Lodabar, Jesus Christ. Christ sees you in Jerusalem. That's a place of perfection. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I feel the presence of God today. If you don't feel the presence of God, you just might be in trouble. 
go down there and carry him out. Hmm. When they carried him out, Ziba just had to be willing. He didn't have to be able, or Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth just had to be willing. He didn't have to be able. Sometimes people pray to God for God to transform their life, but you got to go in the middle of the night and, and kidnap them to get them out of their situation. Buddy, I'm talking to you from experience. You can look at people's lives in the church and God wants to use them. They have ability. They have talent. God has blessed them. But they want to stay in Lodabar because all they know is Lodabar. And you got to go kidnap them out of their situation to let them see that there's more than Lodabar. They've asked God for it, but they don't believe in it. Boy, that's, that's a message. I came here to tell somebody today. God's about to move you. God's about to create a shift, a change. He's about to deliver you. Look at someone and say, I'm ready to go beyond the borders. There's no pasture in Lodabar. There's nothing green in Lodabar. There's no joy in Lodabar. But the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. See, we got a lot of Christians walking around like they live in Lodabar. But listen, when you begin to read the scripture and it says, this is the day that the Lord hath made, he made you. And so you get another day, I don't care where you're at, to praise him, to glorify him, to allow your life to be changed, whether you're in Lodabar or whether you're in Jerusalem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because God does not want you to stay stagnant. He wants to give you structure, blessing, and understanding. feel like I'm prophesying into your life today because God wants to change your circumstance. He wants to take you out of your sin. He wants to take you out of the spell that Satan has put on your life. Listen, I pray breakthrough in your life. I, I, I pray that the hounds of hell are released off of you. I pray the witches that are casting spells are released off of you. Pastor, you're talking crazy. We need to begin to talk crazy in the spiritual realm. We need to allow God to work. We need to say, God, I'm not accepting what I have right here. I'm moving forward with you because you have a bigger plan. You have a bigger purpose. You have a bigger blessing. And I'm not letting anything get a hold of me anymore. I'm moving to Jerusalem. I'm moving to the power of God in my life. I want it to transform me. I want it to transform my wife and my family. I want to move forward for what God has and I'm not staying in Lodabar. When you get to that situation, 
where God moves you. Hear what I'm saying. God will take the homosexual that wants to move out of their situation and he'll move them. He'll carry them out. God will take the rapist and the murderer. Pastor, you're talking crazy because Jesus Christ is just that big. He'll take the rapist and the murderer and the person that you think is the low life on this earth and he will move them out of their situation. Why? Because Jesus Christ is just that big. Listen, he, he will take the transgender person. He will take the homosexual, oh, the, the alcoholic, the drug addict, whatever situation you're in, you all you have to do is say, God, I want out. You don't have to be able to carry yourself out. Amen. Lord, help me. Well, that's not politically correct. so glad that God carried me. I'm so glad that he came to Lodabar and he carried me out. He fetched me. He pulled me out of the situation that I was in, out of the struggle and out of the problem. Can you at least show God some gratitude this morning? Can you at least praise him? And thank him for who he is. He deserves your praise. And the Bible says that we are to give it. Hallelujah. Mm. Oh, Lord, I'm grateful. You know, when I first started preaching, I was about, I think, about 18 years old, maybe 19. I preached to youth in youth rallies and youth services and it's wherever they'd let me, truthfully, because when you first start preaching, you got this fire and you don't even know what you're saying. I, uh, when I first started preaching, I preached this message, what if, and my mom, about 15 years later, tells me, she said, I finally got what if. I finally got that message from you. I was like, yeah, I preached that 15 years ago. She said, no, you didn't. You preached it this morning. I was like, but I, and she's like, no. So I preached to youth. When I first started preaching to youth, I, I, what I wanted to do is keep them from where I was when I got saved. There's nothing in MacArthur for them to do. And so I just wanted to give them something to do. So, man, we did all kinds of crazy stuff. On a Sunday night service, we'd have 270 people here. You think, oh, wow, Pastor, there's 120 people in here today. Wow, 110. Is that right, Dave? 110 today. We're down 15 people. I don't like that. Can you imagine packing now? Now, see the red chairs? That's all we had then. People were standing out in the hallway just to come to a youth service. Oh, Pastor, you're great. It ain't got nothing to do with me. But I preached from a perspective as I don't want you to do what I did. But then I got older and I had kids. And one thing I learned is I began to preach from that perspective. When you begin to preach from a fatherly perspective, it changes you. And the biggest thing that changed me, and I, I've told this story before, but there's two things. One night I was up late studying because I, if I was going to preach in front of people, I, I, I want to be the best. Now, I'm not the best, I'm far from it, but I strive to be the best, the very best. I want, if, I, if God sends me to preach to 25,000 people, I want to be able to step on that platform and preach to 25,000 people. 
If he calls me to preach to two, guess what? I want to preach just as good to the two as I do the 25,000. And so I was studying late one night. We'd been to Pizza Hut. And I, I, I was just pouring out my heart before the Lord. And I had all these, I had the Strong's Concordance laid out and, and my iPad in the center and a, and a couple Bibles. And I was laying there and Luke is about four years old. He comes down the steps. And I immediately go into dad mode because it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing up? I wasn't prepared for a kid at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to have my time with the Lord. What are you doing up? Well, he rounds the corner and he's got a pizza box. Bigger than he is, like this. He's like, well, I was hungry. I said, what do you mean you were hungry? We just ate. Like, we literally came home at 10 o'clock. We went to Pizza Hut after, after the service that night. We, ca went to, we came home at 10 o'clock. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. Here he is with the pizza box. Well, Dad, I'm hungry. I said, give me the pizza box. I go upstairs with the pizza box. I lay it down. I get him a piece of pizza. I set it on a plate. I go back downstairs. I said, you eat this and go to bed. I, lay, I rearrange everything that I have back on me, and I begin to study again. He comes back downstairs. I said, dude, go to bed. He said, I can't. I need you to hold me. I, I, I need you to hold me. I get tore up every time because that changed my life with the Lord. He get up. He laid right here. I pulled my Bible over. I kept reading. I thought that he had went to sleep. All of a sudden, with the biggest smile of excitement, he raises up. He says, Dad. I said, what, Luke? I remember being mad. I said, what, Luke? He said, I can hear your heartbeat. See, the only way that you can hear the heartbeat of the Father is to be right up close to the Father. When we want to change our perspective, we change our perspective by saying, Daddy, hold me. But Wyatt had a total different story. Wyatt's story just happened last year. He came into the room. I had been at work all day. I love Wyatt because he's like a dog. A dog is always excited to see you. No, I don't care what, what, what has happened. I don't care how your day is. When you open the door, if you've got a dog, they're like... <laughs> right? Why it's like a, like a dog. And this is what he does. He runs. And he holds up his arms and says, hold me. I haven't seen you all day. Hold me. Of course, the, I don't care what I'm doing, man. I want to hold you. But what, he, what we're saying when we say, God, hold me, is I'm sick of seeing things from my perspective. I want you to lift me up. See, when you praise God, what you're saying is, God, I, I need you to hold me. I need you to touch me right now. I need your healing, your power, your grace, your mercy. Hold me. Get a hold of me, Lord. I want you to lift me up.
I wanna, I'm sick of seeing things from my perspective because I'm lame in my feet. I, I, I need to see things from your perspective, Lord. I, I need it from your point of view. And when you are inquiring about God's point of view, God begins to transform your vision because he's lifting you up to see things the way he sees. So your thoughts, your resources, everything that you begin to do is not what you want to do anymore. Why? Because you're being lifted up to see the view of the Father. When you see the view of the Father, you don't want what you thought you wanted for your life because what you begin to see from his perspective is he's got way better for you. Oh, that's good stuff. But Mephibosheth is down on the ground. The Bible says he's prostrate. When you study the word, it means he's in the birthing position. He's in the fetal position. And he's saying, I'm a dead dog. Because his perspective's broken. But see, David, he didn't care what he felt. He didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care even how he saw himself in the past. David had already set a chair and a table before him. When Cain asked, am I my brother's keeper? It rang down through biblical history. And what David was saying is, listen, you, you really don't understand because when, when, when a king took power, when he took, what he would do is he would send out the king's royal guard. It happened in, in biblical times all of the time. When the king's royal guard went out, they killed everybody that was involved with the previous king. So the fact that, that Mephibosheth was even able to sit at the table shows you the kind of person that David was. The Bible says he was the apple of God's eye. And so he, David said, I, you make a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't you think that David had a little understanding when he wrote down the scripture of setting before what would now have been his enemy because he took the place of Saul. And even though Jonathan and David were like brothers, the Bible says a kindred spirit. Mephibosheth didn't know that. He's broken. He's messed up. But David says, I keep my brother. What I'm here to talk to you about today and what I wanted you to have an understanding of is I keep. Listen, it's, it's, this is what we're going to do. You will see somebody from this day forward with one of these shirts on every service. I keep. Because we are the keepers of our brothers. Now, if we make this a program, we're going to be in trouble. Because God told me specifically, it has to be a culture. See, it's not a I keep my brother thing. It's a I keep the house of God. It's a I serve. It's a I care. It's all of these things that God wants us to do. And we have to listen. Not everybody can do this, Brian. Not everybody can do it because not everybody has a servant's heart. Not everybody has the heart to keep their brother. Do we want men and women both to, to have that heart? Yes, I want everybody in the place to have that, but not, not everybody does. I keep says, when, when I'm broken and I'm messed up and, and I don't know what to do, I can go to one of my brothers and sisters. I wish that one day everybody in the church had that shirt. Listen, it's a I keep the community. Yeah. 
It's, it, it's a, Mephibosheth, you're broken, and you're just, you're just two or three steps away from the chair, but I'm your brother's, I'm my brother's keeper, so I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you out of your broken situation. I'm going to create a structure in your life. I'm going to help you along. Listen, he, Mephibosheth's feet were crippled. He couldn't make it on his own. He was messed up. He was broken. But listen, David said, I keep. I keep my brothers. I keep my sisters. I keep the house of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God has called us to be our brother's keeper. He has called us to go out into the highways into the hedges to the city of MacArthur and win the lost, the broken, the weak, the weird. I keep. I keep my brother. Oh, just one more step and you'll make it to the chair. Just one more step and, and you'll get to the table that God has laid out for you. Don't quit. Don't turn back. Don't pretend that you're everything's right. Just call on your brothers and sisters and they'll be right there to say, I keep. I keep. Mark, I keep you. Listen, I keep you. I am here to keep you and I want everybody in the community to, of MacArthur to know that in this church we keep our brothers and sisters. It's not a program. It's a culture. It's a culture change. Some of you are going to think, well, I'm my brother's keeper, but you don't know what that is yet. Because you've never been there before. Mephibosheth is looking from a, a rear perspective. But he needs help, Wayne. He needs someone to lock arms and hands with him. And say, I'm going to keep you when you're down. And this brother, listen, says I'm going to keep you when you're down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then we can go over here, Deb. And listen, we can lock arms with Deb when she's broken. Listen, why? Because we're our brother's keeper. Listen to what this verse says. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Amen. Lord, help me. Mephibosheth was like a homeless man. He had no fancy clothes. Probably hadn't even had a bath. He didn't have no cologne or no perfume. And Ziba brings him to the beautiful palace. Oh Lord, help me. You're going to know when God has called you. Because you can't get it off your mind. And you're going to face and encounter people that their heart is crippled. Their legs are weak. Their back is bent. And they don't know what to do. Sometimes they're going to be so broken that they don't, need, they, they don't even know that they need to press because the table is set right there. The chair is right there. But I keep. So, sometimes they're not going to feel like they can make it. But they don't have to do it on their own. Because I keep. Sometimes they're going to feel like, well, I, I'm not there yet. And I'm never going to get there. That's okay. 
because I keep. God's got a place at the table for everyone that wants it. See, God didn't lay Mephibosheth on my heart. As a matter of fact, I never preach about Mephibosheth. Do you know why? He's one of the very few characters in the Bible that never got healed. So preachers don't preach about it because it's, it's, a, it's a soft spot in Christianity. Everybody gets healed in the Bible, not Mephibosheth. It's not because we can't pronounce his name. It's because it's a mood point because we, we don't really have the understanding. But I believe that God gave me the understanding. Because we're to keep our brother no matter what condition they're in. But you know what the great thing about getting the person? Just one more time. Touch me, Lord. Just one more time. I'm not going back. I'm not going to go back to Lodabar. I'm not going to go back to my previous position. I'm not going to go back to my sin or, or my circumstance. I, I, I'm moving forward with you. And, and, and I, I may not be able to get there, but I keep. I keep. Because you're the keeper of the seed. Just, just one more time, Lord, allow me to touch someone. If that is your heart today, I promise you, God will send people to you. Listen, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, yet is he. The revelation comes with, with the word shalar, as a man thinketh. It's the word shalar in the Bible. It means a cord as an attachment. What I want you to understand is God is pulling you forward because he loved you. He, he died for you. And even though that you think you can't make it, even though that you feel like you're on an island all alone and nobody can help you, look around you today. Because we keep. I keep my brothers. I keep my sisters. I keep my family. We're all a family in the house of God. Thank you for joining us today. If this message has uplifted you, we would love to hear your story. Go to www.renovatelifecog.com and click contact. Your testimonies are a blessing to us throughout the week. Renovate Life is a place of healing for the lost, the broken, the weak, weary, and stray.